If you have your Bibles, you can open the book of Exodus. That is where we will start as we continue our sermon series called Systems. And we look at the order of operations according to God. Uh, this being work and rest, as we looked at the, uh, the operation of work last week, the system of rest this week. Dave and Busters is self-proclaimed to be an outrageous place for entertainment. More games than ever, more menu items, the most innovative drinks anywhere, plus you can watch games on their massive HD TVs. Outrageous, more, most, massive. We had a place like this growing up. It was called Showbiz Pizza. Somebody testify. Showbiz pizza, but instead of watching football games on TV screens, you got to watch a weird animatronic mouse and bear on the stage. There are some things that are not better in the old days, amen? And that's one example. Outrageous entertainment, more games, more menu items, the most innovative drinks, massive screens, all of these things are current appeals to our culture. And it appears to, appeals to our culture because we don't just have schedules, we have crazy schedules. And we are seeking not just opportunities, but the most opportunities for ourselves and for our children more than ever before. We use words like multitask and we work more hours and take less vacations as we read last week from the statistics. There's a word for the atmosphere like at Dave and Buster's. We use that same word to describe our last week and the week ahead. That word is busy. As we pointed out last week, there is nothing wrong at all with diligent and dedicated activity and productivity. In step with the scripture, we concluded last week as we discussed the, the system of work, that working well in both quantity and quality glorifies God and it serves others. But it's often difficult to harness the quantity of our activity from becoming biblical to an excess of outrageous and more and most and massive. Listen to what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse three. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Did y'all know that was in there? Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse three says, too much activity gives you restless dreams. Then it goes on to say, too many words make you a fool. So too many words is annoying. Too much activity is unsettling. It's not talking or working that God calls out with conviction in this verse. It's too much talking, too much activity. So how do we counter this? How do we, how do we go against the inclination for us to work all the time, be more productive, gain more opportunities, be more, most massive, outrageous? And God's system that he set up with work is countered by deliberate rest. This is what we see in Genesis chapter 2. I've asked you to open your book, Bibles to, to Exodus, and you can hang there. If you'd like to turn back quickly to Genesis chapter 2, you can, but you don't have to. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we see rest from our Creator. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy. As we just sang, we sang, set apart are you, O God. 
holy, 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 repetitive because it's important. And God declared this seventh day holy, set apart, special, because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. When the work was complete, God rested. When the work was finished and creation was fulfilled, God rested. And to that, we may counter ourselves with, well, it just doesn't seem like it's ever over. It seems like the work is never done. It seems like we always have something else to do. There's always something we need to work on, somewhere we need to go, something that we need to get better at or we need to teach our kids to get better at. Well, God's activity in the world, as we think about our own activity, God's activity in the world was not over after creation. In fact, next up was redemption, amen? Yet God rested from all of his work of creation once he saw that it was good and it was complete. But have you thought about why God rested? Why would God need to rest? Does God get tired? Is that the God that we serve? I believe the scripture shows us that God rested not because he was tired, but because he knew we would be. And God rested not to look back over all of his goodness, but because he knew that we would need to look back over his goodness. We would need to remember his goodness. So like a good leader does, he set the example. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So God gave us this break in the system of work for deliberate rest. And we're going to look at the Sabbath even more as we look forward. I must tell you, I'm going to stop and pray right here because, you know, I shared this with, with someone that pastors, preachers get to talk about the things they are passionate about. We also have to talk about the things that are difficult for us. And so rest is, is truly something that at times, and a lot of times, is, is inescapable. It's, it's hard to accomplish and hard to accomplish well, according to what your mind and mental health needs, according to what the physical needs are, and even according to what God would require of us and even gift to us so that it would be glorifying to him. And I asked Brittany if I could share this, but this week as I was studying, there's sometimes when the word of God and the messages are so plain that it lays down on the paper and it's ready to distribute. And then other times it's not as easy. It's difficult to wrap my mind around what God would have. <laughs> and Brittany told me, she said, well, it's hard to preach on something you struggle with. It's true. Man, we need a helpmate in our life, Amen. And I thank God for her as she pointed that out. And I want you to know, I say that because of this. There are times when I deliver a message and our brother Dusty's delivered a message or one of our staff members has delivered a message or things that you hear and you think, man, that was just for me. That's a good word. Let me tell you this. God hits me right between the eyes before I ever get to give it to you. He deals with me first, I promise. And so let's all pray together as conviction is better as a shared experience. Amen. All right, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Help us, God, to get this, to understand your heart behind this. Lord, I also just want to lift up our, our student ministry. God, we have a number of folks that are away traveling, and uh, they are at a, a conference for, for a dedicated time of preaching and revival. We just pray over them and pray, God, your blessings over them. Pray, Father, that you would just continue to see us through as a church together so that we may glorify you together, Lord. And, and God, we thank you for how you work for our good. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Israel was the people group that God chose to introduce his rescue plan to the world. That, that is the Old Testament Israel. And, and the rescue plan for, for the world that God gave in a word is Jesus. 
And as God chose Israel, as he led them, as he rescued them from the hand of Pharaoh, as he blessed them and led them to the promised land, he set standards along the way that would represent his character and his wisdom in the world. And part of his character and part of his wisdom for them in the world, the standard that he gave, part of that was deliberate rest. The first mention of the Sabbath was in Exodus chapter 16. If you were in Exodus, turn to chapter 16. We'll be looking at verse 23 and looking at a few of the verses that follow that and even some of those that may precede it. But let me just kind of set up what's happening in Exodus chapter 16. God's people have been rescued from the hand of Pharaoh. They've been rescued from Egypt, having been in slavery all that time. And God had freed them up and he was leading them towards Canaan, leading them to the promised land where he would give them rest from their, their wandering. They were on their own worst enemy a lot of times, but God was leading them towards a place of promise that he had provided for. And God gave to his people meat in the evening and bread in the morning to sustain them. And when he provided this, and I may say this too, that, that he provided this after their complaining because they often did not trust that he would come through. So after their complaining, he provided them this meat in the evening and bread in the morning, this manna in the morning. And they were to gather it up for six days. But on the seventh day, he wasn't going to provide that anymore. So on the sixth day, they had to provide enough for the sixth day and the seventh day. And that seventh day is where we see in Exodus chapter 16 as that day mentioned first as the Sabbath. God told them in Exodus chapter 16, verse 23, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. And then it says this, so bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. This tells us a day of rest that God has gifted is to be dedicated. Now, we're going to camp out here for just a minute. This day of rest that God has given to his people is to be dedicated. God's command in Exodus chapter 16 is also reiterated in Exodus chapter 20 and then again in Deuteronomy. But this is when God in Exodus chapter 20 begins to give the law to his people. And he says in Exodus 20 verses 8 and 9, remember the Sabbath day that day of rest that I gave to you and instructed to you. Remember it, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Later in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, he said, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested, and this is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God told them, if you've got oxen, if you've got donkeys, if you've got servants, if you've got foreigners living amongst you, they've all got to shut it down too. That day is special. It is to be dedicated to the Lord. Now, as we shift forward to the New Testament and, and again to the New Testament church, because Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law, it is no longer binding on us. Jesus accomplished the purpose of the law. Jesus was and is the perfection of the law that God required. He himself is the sacrifice to satisfy the consequence of sin. Because of this, we are not obligated to carry out the laws of the Old Testament. We are instead required to follow the lead of the Lord Jesus. However, because the Old Testament is scripture, it is meaningful. Hear that. 
Because the Old Testament is in the Bible, it is meaningful. It is God's word. It gives insight to the character of God. It gives God's intention to his people. So while we are not to perform the law, we are to promote the scripture, all of it, Genesis to Revelation. Besides, none of us have oxen or donkeys. Some of you may. I'm going to say that the vast majority of you don't have oxen. You don't have donkeys, so you cannot tell them to rest it out on the Sabbath day. I would imagine that we don't have servants. We don't have foreigners living amongst us like in the context here. So, so it's not a blanket statement, this must be done. It's a principal point now that we take. And the principal point now that we take for a day of rest is not the idea of you don't need to move a muscle today. That's not the idea. Even Jewish rabbis agreed that God himself worked on the Sabbath as he gave life to people. People were born on the Sabbath. That is God at work. If you look in the New Testament, Jesus healed on the Sabbath. I mean, have you studied that this morning in your connect groups? And the principal point is also not for us to plan each week like we need a self-care day. God gave us a day to pamper ourselves, to take vacations all the blasted time, and to shut the world out around us. It's for us. God gave the day for us. That's not the principal point either. I realize I'm saying that on a holiday weekend. <laughs> for, <laughs> for those of you that are watching online and you are on vacation, God bless you. I hope you are well rested and you come back. <laughs> you understand the point though. The, the point is not that God gifted us rest so that we could experience this care day only for us. Like it's all about how we need to treat ourselves. Here is the main point. The main point is you and I are not the main character of the whole thing. We are not the, the, the point person. God gave us life. God gives us eternal life. God knows what's best for his people. God set up the system of work and rest to work diligently and rest deliberately. And that rest is to be regularly devoted to him. Let me hear that. Let me say that one more time. The rest that God gives, as we learn from the principles from the Old Testament, is a rest that is dedicated to the Lord. It's not just taken off to be off. There's a regular time that's dedicated to where the people of God remember that he is God and they are not. This is a physical break for spiritual purposes. Because of this, in our New Testament church culture, we still take a dedicated day of rest. You're in it. You are in the sanctuary together. We set apart the first day of the week so that we come into the houses of worship together sanctuaries together, honoring God together, honoring the risen Savior who is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, the culmination of God's blessing to the world. He is the one who truly bought and paid for our rest. So we dedicate a day of principal rest and reverent worship to the risen Savior who is Jesus. And if Sunday doesn't work practically for your family, we had this comment from last Sunday. What if Sunday doesn't practically work all the time for our family? And the truth is, is that it doesn't. It doesn't work for every single family. I have friends and, and, uh, of this church and people that I know that right now are serving and protecting. They, they are making sure that, that our community and our, our places of worship and, and the, where, where we go and where we come from, they're making sure those things are safe. They are on the clock. And so I, I would say that the principle here is there needs to be a day within your schedule where it is dedicated to the Lord. 
deliberately where you are realizing who is your master and creator. And practically speaking, I would also say that if the first day of the week doesn't work for you, we also gather on Wednesday nights. And I say that not to be like, y'all need to be here. What I'm saying is, is that we're providing another opportunity in the middle of the week where God can get our attention so that we can slow down and come together together during the middle of the week to worship together, to learn the word of God together. There should be a dedicated weekly time when the people of God gather together to remember the Lord. That is a New Testament principle just as well. We should not neglect our meeting together is what the Bible says. The Sabbath rest mentioned in Deuteronomy was, was dedicated to redemption. The Sabbath rest in Exodus speaks towards creation. The one in Deuteronomy speaks towards redemption. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, Remember that once you were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with a strong hand and powerful arm. And that is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. Basically saying, dedicated to God, stop what you're doing and recognize that you and your activity and productivity does not make you fit for heaven. Only God has done that as he has prepared a place for all of you that will go through the blood of his son. God did not want his people to forget because when we forget, we begin to work for our own glory instead of his. We begin to work for our own name, our own purposes, our own values instead of his. Therefore, the principle of rest is not so much about how as it is why. Part of what I wanted to do this week was be able to just give you all these practical things for you to take about how it, how it looks to achieve biblical rest that is both good for your body and your mind and your soul. But really, before you talk about any of the kind of why or how, you need to talk about the why. It seems that we are more interested in the practical applications like, well, should I take a nap or should I exercise? Which one of those is really the best? Is it okay to garden on Sunday? Should it be every minute of the day or can it be some activity that goes on? And what about eating out? Like these are all the questions that we want to ask and answer. Here's the thing. God's purpose was not to make his people lie down like a bunch of kids and take a nap. His purpose was for their activity to stop so that they would not forget him. It was to be dedicated to the Lord. In his book, The Stressless Life, Vance Pittman asked the questions, man, this is a great question. Does your schedule include time with Jesus or is it ordered around time with Jesus? Now that we'll preach. Does your schedule include time with Jesus or is it ordered around time with Jesus? And this is one we need to consider personally and corporately. In Luke chapter 10, verse 39, the Bible says, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. Jesus, the son of God, the lamb of God, God in the flesh is in the household of Mary and Martha. And in this culture, to sit at someone's feet was to recognize that person's authority. To be at the feet of another was to show them ultimate respect. And when Jesus showed up in their home, Mary gave Jesus her full attention. Martha was serving, and that's not bad either. Lord knows we need the people of the church to serve the church and the people of God to serve the people of the community. 
Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus, giving Jesus her full attention. Martha was serving, but here's the thing. It wasn't time for activity. It was time for activity to cease. Yes, Martha was present, but listen to this. Mary was fully present. We know that now, don't we? Our our phones, that's the biggest connection we have. We need you to be fully present. Like I can hear you. If all of you are saying something right now, I mean, I can take my phone out and I can be like this and I can still hear what you're saying. But this is to be fully present, isn't it? I'm saying that to you as I'm realizing the only, my own conviction even as I get it out of my mouth. But this is, this is uh, uh, there's the difference between present and fully present. Mary had time for nothing else. Her plan didn't include Jesus. It was ordered around him. Now, that's challenging. And from this view, the challenge is to think about rest first or we even need to think about rest as much as we think about work. Because why? It's not just about laying around. It's about dedicated time to the Lord. Dedicated time to connect with our creator. The creator that's made a way for him to be our savior. For him to be our Lord and God to walk with us and be in us. We have to ask ourselves if we are working on what's important or working on what's urgent. It's good, isn't it? Said by many leaders, a lot of times we work on what is urgent rather than what is important because more times than not we are involved in what's urgent which is not as important instead of the important which is all the time not as much as urgent rest as it relates to being dedicated to the lord is at least as important as working for his glory with all of that said as i said we were going to camp out there god has every right to determine the boundaries of our life He has every right to tell us to shut it down. He has every right to tell us why to shut it down. And he is not meant for us to fill our lives up to the brim with so much activity that we forget him. Now, this also tells us that rest, while it is to be dedicated, it also must be prepared. If you look at Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16, verse 23, the Bible says, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and then set aside what is left for tomorrow. On that sixth day, you gather twice as much because on the seventh day, you're not to do any of that and it won't be provided for you anyway. And notice this, God provided for his people. He provides for his people. There is common grace in the world that God has given creation that lends itself to a provision of sustenance. But here is a special grace of God where he is specifically providing for his people as they are walking through the wilderness. And as his people was making their way, God would provide meat and bread from heaven at their complaints that they were starving to death. Right, God had provided for them, but the people told God and the leaders, we're starving to death. Y'all ever heard that from your kids? You ever said it yourself? You've eaten like an hour ago, but now you're starving to death? Starving to death. And God obliged and the Lord said, here is food to gather for six days. So you can get as, as much as you can because on the seventh day, the storehouse is closed. On the seventh day, the storehouse of heaven is closed. What I've learned of rest this week is this. If rest is in the plans of God, we must make plans to rest. Take that again. If rest is in the plans of God, we must prepare 
to rest. Just as Israel was to plan for that Sunday off, we must plan to dedicate rest. What does that practically look like in each of our lives? That we, if we wanna take deliberate rest and be in the balanced system of God, that God would keep us in his way and will and within his standard to glorify him and that it would be good for us. What does that practically look like? Number one is this, it's only two. Number one is this, look at your calendar and determine what's important. Look at your calendar and determine what's important. When you do that, what it's gonna force us all to do is to say one small word to somebody else, no. We're gonna have to say no. We're gonna have to tell people we cannot do that because what we have decided is important. That's what we're going to do to keep our life in balance according not to what the world sees, but according to what God says is important. You're gonna have to say no. Uh, Brother Sonny always used to tell us here that when you say no to one thing, you say, or when you say yes to one thing, you say no to another. Oftentimes in the world that we live in, we say yes to all the things that people tell us are important. And when we do that, we say no to the ones that we feel are important and we say no to the things that we've deemed important. When we say yes to everybody's request because they say you must be here, you must do this, you must be here at this certain time. You've got to be here. If you don't, we'll cut you and all this stuff. I'm not speaking specific. I'm not speaking specifically of athletics. I'm speaking specifically of the world that we live in. Like if you don't think this is important as we do, then you're out. And, and there is a, there's a level of, of wisdom that we need to communicate here that every leader in this community needs to know is that you ain't the only person that's got something going on for other people. Y'all ever hear that? The people that you manage, that you influence, they have families. The people that you manage, the people that you influence, they have responsibilities outside of what you've got going on. The people that you manage, the people that you are influencing, those folks need to be in houses of worship. See, we, we often make these decisions for people according to what we think are important, even disconnected for what God says is important, and then we put expectations on others to be there or else. We've got to be careful with our influence. Look at your calendar and determine what's important. Again, this, this, if, if you really do that, if we all really take a look at what we have coming up and decide what's really important, that's gonna get real tough. Get real tough to make a decision. I, I'm, I'll just tell you, I just need to be honest with you today because I know it's the same for you. The truth is, and the reason why sometimes this is very difficult for me, I hate completely disdain telling anybody here, no. But the truth is, is when I tell you yes, then I've just said no to something else. And a lot of times the ones that I've told no are the ones in my own household, the ones that are gonna cry at my funeral. Now you may cry at my funeral too, I don't know about that, I'm just saying. <laughs> See, this, this is the thing that I deal with in my own life. And, and and part of this is, is the responsibility of those that we influence. The other part is my responsibility, and here's why. The second part, when it says, look at your calendar and determine what's important, the second part is this. Look at your calendar and determine what must be done so that you can rest well. Look at your calendar and determine what must be done so that you can rest well. If we can't get done in a six days time what we need to get done, then we're either one of two things. We're either overscheduling or we are not responsible with my time, our time. At the end of the day, in seven days' time, when God has asked us to give some time to dedicated rest, 
If I get to that point and I think, well, I just can't get it all done, then I've either overscheduled myself or I've been irresponsible with my time. Those are the things when we are thinking about being prepared for rest, to shut it down to break. Because again, Israel was not like the other cultures around them. The other cultures around them are on the grind all the time. God told his people, I want a rested people who have remembered me so that when they come back to work, they'll be even better. This also teaches us that it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of trust. Exodus chapter 16, verse 27. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day. Did you hear that? God says, there's not going to be anything for you on the seventh day. You need to prepare on the sixth day because the storehouse of heaven will be closed. Won't be anything for you. And then look at what happens in Exodus chapter 16, verse 27. Some of the people went out anyway. God clearly told them that if you work on the seventh day, there'll be no extra gain, but they went out anyway. Verse 25, there'll be no food on the ground today. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Who are we kidding? We do that stuff all the time, don't we? We know what God's word says about what we're dealing with. We know what God's word says about the issues in our life. We know what God has said over and over Speaking from personal experience, the things that God has warned against, the things that God said is dangerous, that you're going to set yourself up for a fall, all of those things that God says. And then we look at Exodus chapter 16, and he says, don't go out on the seventh day. And what do they do? They go out on the seventh day, and we're like, why would you do that? And the Holy Spirit's like, exactly. Why would you do that? The Bible says, we reap what we sow, yet we sow anyway. God's word says he will bless obedience, but we go our own way anyway. The Lord's response in chapter 16, verse 28. How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? See, it's a a matter of of trust. They heard what God said, but they're going to do what they want to do anyway. The principle of rest, if you take it to heart, it'll mess with some of your plans. It'll cause you to rethink your opportunities and it really will ask you the question of who do you trust in yourself and your own way or do you trust the principles of God's word when we trust and acknowledge God and this is what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 when we trust God with all our heart you won't have to worry about missed opportunities because God's word promises to direct your paths so that have we stopped praying and asking God to direct our path I'm serious parents Have we stopped praying over our children for God to determine their steps to the point where we think to ourselves, if we can get them to this, that's when they will be able to do this. Does God not play a part in that at all? Have we led ourselves in our own businesses, our own organizations to say, I know what God's word says about this, but right now is a time where we really got to get after it. If we really get after it right now, then after that, that's when I'll give some time back to God. Yeah, we say that about our money too. I know I'm not giving right now and there's an opportunity in front of me that God values and we have a heart for and once we finally get all of this money together, that's when we'll give. No, you won't. No, you won't. Same thing with time, same thing with everything else. We're the the same, whether it's a lot or a little. God is a stewardship God. Why would God give you more that you pledge to give to him when you don't give to him with what you have right now. This passage tells us we have to trust God 
with what he says is best for us. With what he says is best for us. Now, I'm just going to tell you, that's easy to preach up here. It's hard to live in. This passage tells us rest was a gift of God. And this is just real brief before we get to the last point. Chapter 16, verse, verse uh, 29. Chapter 16, verse 29. God says when he told them the seventh day would be shut down, it's a dedicated day of rest to the Lord that he exemplified that they should dedicate to him. God says to, to them, they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. You see that? God says, I'm giving you a day. Now, you've got to prepare for that day so that you'll be able to take that day for what it's supposed to be. But I am giving it to you. Basically, when will you realize that this is not an obligation that you have to fulfill because God said it? It is a gift. Do you remember working maybe outside when you were younger? When I was working outside when I was younger with my dad, he would, he would uh, sometimes be like this. He'd be like, here, here's a pair of gloves. And he'd throw me those pair of gloves. When I was like 13 years old, man, at 13, you know everything there is to know. I don't need any work gloves. You don't know my hands. So then you get out there and you start working. And all of a sudden you think, oh, probably should have got them gloves. The whole time I'm telling him, my authority, what I'm going to do. And before we even started, he was gifting me relief. He was trying to give it to me. And I rejected it. And as you, hopefully, as the Lord leads us to get older, we will take those gloves before quick because we've learned our lesson. And God says to his people, as they continue to go out on the seventh day, he says to them, when will you not realize I am gifting you this day for your good and for my glory? Now, to close this out, up until this point, we've discussed physical rest for spiritual purposes. But what we want to close with is even more important. Spiritual rest for practical purposes. Listen to that. Spiritual rest for practical purposes. One author said this, man, this is good. He said, we like to stay busy because we want to avoid the noise that is within us. Can you identify with that? We like to stay busy because if we stop, that means we're going to have to deal with what the Spirit of God is convicting in our heart. So we stay busy rather than to deal with it. It's really thought-provoking because within us, the Spirit of God is drawing us towards holiness. He is convicting us of unrighteousness. He is, he is trying to make us more like Jesus. But often the distance that we are from God is unsettling. But if we stay busy, we won't have to deal with it. We don't have time to think about it. That's often also part of the reason why people don't flock into houses of worship on Sunday is because they know what will happen when they get there. They'll have to be still before God and know that he is God and quiet before the scriptures with nowhere to go. And God's spirit is going to reveal to them what must get out and what must be in. Jesus makes the claim that he can provide greater rest than even what the law of the Sabbath can offer. That God gave this, this instruction of rest for his people to set the standard. But Jesus can give a rest for our souls that is even greater. In John chapter one, verse 17, the Bible says, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine says, there is a special rest that is waiting for the people of God. For all 
who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Rested from their labors. Now, when we look at that in the context of the New Testament, so much of the world then and so much of the world now was trying to be right with God by their own labors. What we do is gonna get us in. What we don't do is gonna get us in. And so when we treat God and his system of salvation like that, that it's about what we do and the productivity that we create, and then we have sin in our life continuously or sin that lingers on, there's a problem. There's activity on the outside. There's unrest on the inside. And God's rest is for our souls. What does that look like? It looks like forgiveness of sin. Man, God's rest looks like assurance of salvation. God's rest looks like a reminder of identity and affirming of value. God's rest looks like an alleviation of responsibility that's too great for us to bear. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, come to me, all of you are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Jesus did the work of forgiveness. Forgiveness of what? The little things? Listen to me. Jesus did the work of forgiveness for every sin imaginable. The ones that you've done, the ones that you've only thought about, the ones that when you see them on the screen you think are detestable, the ones that you dismiss in your own life. Jesus did the work of forgiveness of every sin imaginable. And when we trust in the sacrifice and finished work of Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness that goes into our heart and into our life to give us a rest like you've never had. And how do we get it? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, verse three, for only who believe can enter this rest. For only those who believe, for only those who stop trusting in themselves, what they can do and what they can't do, and those who with a confiding trust believe with all their heart that God has made a way for their forgiveness, that God's will and way is the right way. This is not a rest that God is commanding you to take. This is a rest that God is giving you to receive through grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. My wife does not love me more or less if I fold clothes and put them away or not. I don't love her more or less if she cooks dinner tonight or not. We just love each other because we do. If our love was based on works for each other, if our love was based on works for each other, the moment I'm not able to fulfill my role for her is the moment that I'm worried about her love for me. And the moment that she's not able to fulfill her role for me is the moment she becomes worried about my love for her. You see, that kind of love is not an inside your heart rest. That's miserable is exactly what that is every single day hoping that you do enough for the other person to stay. Every single day hoping that you don't do something else to tick them off so that they leave. That is not love, that is misery. And if you've been in, or if you've been in relationships like that, or if you've been in relationship like that now, one in which you never feel like you know where you stand, that is miserable. And you'll worry about it, and you worry yourself to death over it. And for some of us, all our relationship with God is, is what we're doing, what we've done, what we're afraid we're gonna do. And we believe that those things is gonna measure up 
to whether we are valuable in the eyes of God or not. We believe that those things, if we do enough good and not enough bad, that's going to make us right with God or not. There's no rest in that. There's no rest in that. You don't come into the sanctuary ready to praise the Lord. You come into the sanctuary burdened, man. Like, I hope I did enough this week to where the Lord hears my prayers. Gosh, I hope I've done enough this week and kind of knocked the things off I shouldn't have done. I hope I did enough this week to where, to where when I worship, it means something to him, to where he still loves me. Don't you project your earthly relationships on your heavenly relationship. You need to know the truth of God, that God created this place and that because of sin, he worked to redeem this place and his work of redemption is out of his love for the world. The law was through Moses to set up the standard of God. The law of love is in Jesus Christ, his, unfaith, his faithfulness, his, his grace and mercy unto us. You see, I'm, I'm able to say my prayers and know that God hears me not because I've done a good job this week, but because I'm covered by the blood of Christ. I'm able to know that we have a relationship not because I've worked into that relationship, but because of the relationship that God has provided for me by his grace and his mercy. If you have received God's promise of salvation through the finished work of Jesus Christ, you can be at rest. Now, there may be a time in your life when you've picked up sin and should have put it down. So what you need to do is confess that sin before the Lord and forsake it and turn from it and go the other way. But know this, that did not separate you from a right relationship with God. That separated you from fellowship with your heavenly father. God's desire is, not, is to put our hearts and minds and souls at ease. And what does that do for us when we realize this love from God? It ought to make us want to fold clothes and make dinner for him. Right? When we realize the love, the unconditional love that God has for us, the grace and mercy that he has for us, the conditions that were taken up by Jesus now makes that love unconditional. And, and what, when we realize this love for us that he has for us, that he's provided for us, it ought to make us want to serve him, to honor him and bring attention to him because his love is not based on rising or falling emotion. God's love is based on the truth of who he is. When we enter true rests, it's true because we enter Christ. We don't have to strive to make peace with God anymore. God gives us peace. And this makes a difference in how we carry on. There is physical rest that is gifted to us for spiritual purposes. There's spiritual rest gifted to us for practical purposes. In both cases, we must receive that rest. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'll simply invite you. We give an invitation here at Lindsay Lane, just an invitation to the altar if you'd like to come and pray. We also give an invitation during the, the final song of worship that gives you an opportunity to respond. If you need to be saved, if you are distressed in your soul and there needs to be forgiveness and a line drawn in the sand, why not come and talk to me, talk to one of our pastors? You can catch us afterwards, but we're available right now to put you with somebody that can help you to work through those questions. If you need to be baptized or join the church, you want to join the church today, man, we would love to have you and receive you. We're not going to parade you up here and ask you to sing a special or anything like that. We, we just want to hear from you, and then we'll put you with somebody that's going to help you take next steps here at Lindsay Lane. 
We love you. We really do. We want to help you. We're thank you. We're glad that you've been here today and look forward to seeing you again. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, and as it is always, there's a whole dose of truth and grace. And God, we thank you for both. And Lord, you know which one we need the most right now. Whether it be a blend or whether it be one of more and less of the other or vice versa. So God, as we are considering in our own heart what step to take next, as we are thinking about practical changes to make in our life, Lord, as we are reminded of the truth that we're no longer enslaved by the law or commanded to follow the law to righteousness, as we think about what true steps we need to take as a family, as a leader in the community, as, as a father, as a mother, husband, wife, God, as we are considering this in our own heart, I pray now that in this invitation, Lord, we would dedicate this time to you. If we've not rested yet, that we would. Lord, that we would have a conversation with you, Lord, that we would talk to somebody else that can help us. Lead us forward, Lord, in this time of invitation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This altar is open for you. We have pastors and decision counselors here for you.